up, NBA fans? The first round of the NBA playoffs has started, and it's running its course. We have predictable outcomes so far with the the the, my, the Boston Celtics having no problem uh, coming close to closing their series out. The 76ers going up 3-0 against the Nets. The Nuggets going up 2-0 against the Wolves. Um, but we've also had some close series, places where we thought there would be a close one. Cavs versus Knicks tied 1-1. Um, Lakers and Grizzlies tied 1-1, but the Clippers taking an upset win against the Suns on the road and the Kings winning their first game against the Warriors in a series where the Vegas odds were putting the series length at five and a half games. But now we're looking at a 2-1 series between the Kings and the Warriors where we'll officially go into six games if the Warriors are going to uh, win this. So no five games here for this series. So uh, jump in before we jump into everything, Sean. What's been your reaction so far to this NBA playoffs? Yeah, I mean, Alan, it's kind of been like we predicted a week ago. Uh, before everything mm-hmm. really got going, we're seeing some pretty much just huge sweeps about to go down with the Sixers and Celtics. <laughs> uh, really good games with the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Uh, Cavs and Knicks has been back and forth. Um, the Clippers one was honestly probably the most surprising one for me i mm-hmm. i did not expect the clippers to take one game in phoenix unfortunately that seems like it's going to be a very short-lived hope for us clipper fans uh with Kawhi out we'll talk a little bit about that later but uh, yeah i mean it's been entertaining so far but i'm still in the second round waiting room honestly with most of mm-hmm. these series i'd say Kings, Warriors, and Lakers, Grizzlies has probably been the best one so far. The rest, I'm not super interested in. Still, I'm just just get them to the next round. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm definitely excited for 76ers Boston. Like I kind of want that series oh, it's gonna be amazing. to to get going. And with the news of Kawhi, the Suns and Clippers was one that I circled that I really wanted to tune in every game. You know, I made my bold prediction that the Clippers yep. would take that one in six games. <laughs> That's looking like a full, full, uh, like a true full speaking. <laughs> it's not uh, your but fault. I, it, yeah, it's injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw the Kawhi that I thought we'd be able to see through the whole series in game one. Uh, Russell Westbrook had his shooting woes in that game. But, you know, he came through in so many different ways. Tyron Lue making some clutch, uh, really trusting his guys and trusting his gut with some questionable but crucial lineups that came through to get that win but that series looks all but wrapped up kings warriors and lakers and grizzlies i think still are going to take a lot of attention there and are going to be fun to watch the rest of the way but yes for the rest of it um yeah i'm excited for for round two um but let's jump in then for quick thoughts we've had some awards already given out to this year and some of them really none of these have been too much of a surprise i think six man of the year really was the one where there were more options but starting with defensive player of the year jaron jackson jr beats out brooke lopez averaging three blocks a game this season uh jaron jackson coming into the season a little earlier than we anticipated and it was enough to to help him get enough votes to back him up to take home defensive player of the year and i think it's rightfully owned when you look at the grizzlies and their defense throughout this year a lot of it has leaned on jaron jackson jr um, they've been top three in defensive rating all year, and it's what helped them get uh, get that second seed in the West or the third seed, second seed in the West. Yeah, and I think this is a very well deserved for Jaron Jackson. Such a great season, so good to see him come back earlier from that injury where it looked a lot like it was going to be like two years ago, where we're like, oh, like 
he'll be back in a month and then he didn't come back until like january mm-hmm. february and he surprises us this time and only to, misses a few weeks at the start of the season and he just dominated whenever he was out there uh this uh, this is one of my favorite stats uh that we saw from his defensive player of the year nomination that teams only shot 44 percent in the paint with him as the closest defender to them which is just a crazy number shooting under 50 uh-huh. percent in the paint with jaron jackson down there so it's really cool to see this kid blossom into the player that he was drafted to be i think well he was a number four overall pick and mm-hmm. he's showed so many great flashes of talent before he went on this you know big string of injuries and going back to the bubble playoffs where he just looked on fire like he was scoring well he was blocking shots he looked amazing and you know you see that little potential like oh i hope he can get there one day and he finally got there so really cool to see and he's he's really showing the lakers what he can do especially when anthony davis isn't on the floor yeah and in the it's not just a you know, he's not just a great regular season player at 18 points a game, career high for him, three blocks a game, career high for him this year. In the playoffs against the Lakers in these two games, 24 points a game, seven rebounds and two and a half blocks. I mean, we thought Anthony Davis was going to come in here and, uh, you know, put put Jaron Jackson back back into his place, back into the playground. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is really holding himself up here, 54% shooting. I mean, it's impressive. They he was a big piece of that game to game to win. So just to this guy, only 23 years old. So there's still a lot of room for growth, growth for Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. And a little mini shout out to Brooke Lopez, man. Like this guy's still mm-hmm. doing it at the ripe old age of 34, I believe. I think so. Yeah, I mean, this guy's reinvented his game to become a modern center. Very few traditional big men can do that develop a three-point shot develop the ability to defend against multiple positions and not just get beaten off the dribble and to become you know essentially the second best defensive player in the league by all by all statistics and that that's a huge win for him and like the fact that this guy's been able to extend his career like he has where a lot of traditional guys like you know andre drummond they get phased out of the league and brooke lopez has defied all those odds yeah, Brooke Lopez basically has taken the Al Horford formula and just doubled up on it. Yeah. He is 34 years old, 78 games this this year at 30 minutes per wow. 30 minutes per That's game. That's impressive too. Six, yeah, 16 points a game, the highest uh, points per game in his career since 2016. Dang, in two and a half blocks. So big piece for them. 53 percent shooting from the field, 37 percent from three. So. Man. Brooke Lopez. It's crazy to think the Lakers had this guy for, for a <laughs> oh, minute yeah, there right. <laughs> and could have brought him back and just let him walk away to Milwaukee for, for such great value, too. Uh, he wouldn't have become the player he has has become on the Lakers. I don't know if they'd have the ingenuity to turn him into this versatile center. Yeah, exactly. Take a wild guess at how much Brooke Lopez is getting paid this year. I'm going to go $10 million. Oh, that's pretty close. Thirteen yeah, million. million. Worth every penny. Holy cow. <laughs> Worth every penny. I mean, that in today's today's standard, that's such an undervalue yeah. for a seven footer that oh, can yeah. shoot thirty seven percent from I think three. Lou Dort makes more money than him. <laughs> yeah, on a per year basis. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Uh on the other end, coach of the year, Mike Brown. 
no surprises there. I mean, you look no. at what the Kings have done this year. I, to me, everything starts with, with Mike Brown and the way he's been able to position DeMaltis a bonus for success with, with De'Aaron Fox and use all the other young pieces that they've had and just really make them flourish. I mean, two guys, a guy that stands out to me is a uh, Trey Lyles. Mm-hmm. Like, Trey Lyles was well on his way out of this, <laughs> out of this league. It seems he's just, just a journey man, but he's, he's figured Mike Brown has put a guy like him in, in places of success. Kevin Herter, Kevin same, Herter. same story. Mm-hmm. He wasn't on his way out, but it, it, there were questions whether Kevin Herter was truly a starting guard in this league. And, Man, the dude, dude's got to be on a top ten list of shooting guards in the in the league this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'd have to really break it down. I'm just speaking for, off the cuff here, but but just a fantastic season from Kevin Herter and the offense that Mike Brown is running and the way he's been able to find success with this roster. Yeah, uh, I mean, shouts out to him. Despite a very toxic and not well known uh, culture of of positivity there in Sacramento, it's been a revolving door for head coaches and front office executives and. He's walked in there and uh, and developed stability. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that I, myself, and many others had written off at the beginning of the season, um, much to much to our chagrin. They, they just totally turned the page on a Kings mm-hmm. franchise. You know, longest playoff drought amongst all four major U.S. sports, and they they get it done this year, and they're still fighting in it, man. And I know a lot of people are counting them out against the Warriors. I continue to be one of those people that count them out against the Warriors, but you got to hand it to them, man. I mean, they're up 2-1 right now against the defending champs. Mike Brown's a huge part of that. It's hard to know who exactly would even come close to him as far as who else would deserve Coach of the Year. Um, uh, maybe you give some votes just to the Bucks head coach, Mike Budenhosel, just for getting the mm-hmm. largest or, or the best regular season. But I don't know. It seemed like a pretty... Like as far as which coach brought their team from nothing to something this year, it, it was definitely Mike Brown. Yeah, and then to also make that point is the Kings didn't start this hot either in the beginning of the year. And I was a big optimist on the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> but I did not see them finishing top three, top four. I, I thought they'd be, you know, they're gonna probably finish six at best. Um, I thought they they were a good team. They're definitely bound for the playoffs, but to hold the third seed for you know, once we got over the first, maybe first first half of the year is uh pretty 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 impressive. And also to you know, big shout out here is also they finished with the number one offense in the That's league, right. and we're obviously still seeing that high power, power high power in the playoffs. So Mike Brown has also been the type of guy who's really just been flexible and nimble with all his teams. Like let's not forget he was there with LeBron James early days where they were a defensive minded first team, and then used Braun as your biggest offensive weapon, then back to the Lakers, uh, and then eventually to the Kings. And then, and then, then he finally got a Sacramento gig. Like talk about really going through the different points of changes in the NBA. Like, and he's still been able to hold his own. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Very, very cool for him. And then this guy, another King wins this other award, this first ever Mm -hmm. clutch player of the year goes to De'Aaron Fox by a landslide. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those. I there's no surprises there. I think we've no. been talking about him all year. He's been the leader in uh, in you know the the highlights, and the Kings have come come out and won a lot of these close games. And probably a big part of it is 
the, the offensive system that Mike Brown has been able to build around him and the spacing that he's had. And I mean, Darren Fox has also been the type of dude that's just been getting better every every year. It's just slight improvements here. We've always known the athleticism is there, but this year shooting 50% from the field versus uh, his career average of 47. And even before that, his rookie year, he was coming in shooting at 40% from the field, 30% from three. Like there has been a huge amount of growth from 2017 until, until this year, the dude's found his spots. He has his weapons. He has that floater. He has the ability to get to the rim or he can pop and shoot the mid range, mid ranger. And um, slowly, but surely the three point shot is, is also getting better at 32%, one for 1.6 for, for every five attempts that he makes. Um, so there's improvements there, and uh, not surprised that he got it. I still think this is just such an awkward award, <laughs> but hey, man, you got to evolve yeah. with the times. And I, I like People it. love talking about Clutch. Yeah, I think it's a cool award because that's, I mean, when you break basketball down to its roots, like the Clutch is really the only important time of the game. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people will only watch the last five minutes of a basketball game. A lot of casual fans. So that these are the players that like when you watch them play, you'll just assume like, oh, these are the best players in the league because they're the ones scoring when I'm actually watching the game. And you're right. Fox lead the league this year, 194 points in the clutch time this season. If you were watching a lot of Kings games, you'd probably see him scoring most of the points. And yeah, I mean, what is that over the course of an 82 game span? It's like at least two a game or i guess mm-hmm. it has to be a close game too so can't factor, yeah. yeah so you can't factor that in but yeah i mean jaron fox very much deserving of this award i think it's a cool award to include i mean if you're gonna have awards like sixth man of the year most improved player i feel like this fits in pretty well with that type of category yeah def- definitely um i'm just gonna have to get used to seeing this and actually ex- <laughs> Get used to seeing it as an official NBA award and not a, I don't know, award from Bleacher Report or some <laughs> social media outlet. I like it though. Let's, I'm yeah. curious to see how how it continues to evolve. Yeah, give it a um, few years. Six, you'll get used to it. <laughs> yep. Six man of the year goes to Malcolm Brogdon. You know, I I, got, I feel like I owe this guy an apology because I <laughs> forgot that Malcolm Brogdon was out there killing it for the really? Celtics wow. off the bench. Yeah, dude. I mean, I remember when we were talking about it at the beginning of the season, I was like, dude, how the heck did they get Brogdon for so cheap? Mm-hmm. I think they only traded like a few random guys like, uh, oh man, what's his name? Daniel Tice. Yeah. And some other random yeah. guy and like a second round pick for Brogdon. I was like, that is the most like crazy value you can get for a very good player. Like he's just yeah. so undervalued and here he is winning six man of the year. Yeah. That, that, that was a, a funky trade with the Indiana Pacers just going full on clear and sell on some <laughs> of their pieces. Uh, but yeah, Malcolm Brogdon almost 15 points a game, four boards and 3.7 assists for the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics were just, have just been, a terrifying team all year in the Eastern Conference. Also another title favorite. Um, I mean, I think I think that if there was anyone who was close, Emmanuel Quigley finished second yeah. in voting. Bobby Portis finished third. I'm not sure Bobby Portis really had a shot. I think if there was two guys, it was Emmanuel Quigley and, Ma- and Malcolm Brogdon as the two guys. But, I mean, when you're on the Celtics and you've just been dominating all year, you're top five in offense, pretty close in defense, like, yeah, you're just part of a, 
a larger powerhouse and and the Knicks have had an incredible year so yeah. you know not to not to disregard that but the fe- the impact that uh the Boston Celtics has just, has just had have had on, across the league is just so much stronger and Malcolm Brogdon has been a key piece in that yeah and I think the important thing is that he's consistently been there the entire mm-hmm. season where I feel like quickly was more a latter half of the season like he really yep. he really only came on in the second half of the season and even at the end of the season, I feel like you know, he was starting for like the last two weeks of the season because Jalen Brunson was hurt. So that would kind yep. of muddy it too for me, calling him the sixth man of the year when he was really only playing his best basketball as a starter. So yeah, I feel like it's it's very correct to give Malcolm Brogdon an award. I, I don't remember how if he started any games. I feel like, but he was coming off the bench pretty much every game from what I remember. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon start, has started no games this no year. No games. Oh yeah, um, so that's perfect for the award then. Yeah. That's yep, 67 games and no yep, no start no starting games. Um yeah, so per- perfect win for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh still got a few more awards we're waiting for. MVP and whenever MVP comes Are down. Are they going to announce that like the second round? Is that what we're we're thinking? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. But yeah. I mean, the the seventy sixers are about to go on a big uh, rest day if they <laughs> if they don't give it to them before the fourth game here against the Nets. I know. Uh, which is, I think, a good place to start. The seventy sixers officially going up three zero against the Nets. The Nets made a big run here in this third game and made it close. But Joel Embiid and the seventy sixers got the job done. I was watching it. And I was like, wow, they really about to. <laughs> Let the Nets win this game oh, and have man. to play another game in this series. That's not what champs do. Champs got to close this out, get the rest that they need. And that's what they did uh, going up 3-0 against the Nets. Um, it, it's it's Other than this game, it's been tough to really get anything from this other yeah. than the 76ers look ready. Uh, the Nets are not as good as the seeding that they finished in, which I think we kind of all knew that. So. Nick Claxton looks good, though. He had some big stops here. Um, the other pieces, I think, have done it as as expected. I don't know, Sean, have you take, gotten any bigger takeaways from the series so far? No, I mean, I think game three was just interesting, you know? like, And that's at least something, because it is a playoff series, so you want it to be like, you know, at least some sort of storyline. And game three did give us that, because in the first quarter, we get Claxton ejected, for stepping over Embiid after dunking on him, after Embiid kicks him in the nuts, you know, <laughs> it's just like, wait, how did Embiid avoid getting sus- like ejected from this game after retaliating like that? Well, we just watched Draymond Green retaliate to Sabonis in a very similar fashion, but yeah. Embiid doesn't even get ejected from the game. Like that was very weird to me. Maybe I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they looked at it. Maybe they saw it really wasn't. He didn't actually make that much contact with him. I I don't know, but uh, I guess they give it back to them later in the game. But like much later in the game, when Harden gets ejected for a nut shot on Royce O'Neal as he's trying <laughs> to rip through him at the at the three point line, that one was kind of weird too, because it didn't yeah. seem like that was an intentional nut shot. That's like that's just Harden's move. He always just uses that offhand to try to like get the defender off of him. You know, might be a foul, might not. You know, who's to say? But at the end of the day, yeah, he hit him in the nuts, and then he gets ejected, and then this game just kind of turns into a frenzy at the end, where Tyrese Maxey becomes the hero, and Embiid yep. gets the game-winning block to seal the deal. 
Well, I guess technically the Nets kind of sealed their own deal when they just threw the out-of-bounds pass away when they were down three and had a chance to tie it. And there's a miscommunication with, with Bridges going inside the three-point arc, and I forget who was the inbounder, but he just tried to throw it out to the three-point line. It just falls on the floor, and <laughs> D'Anthony Melton picks it up, and that's the game. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Tyrese Maxey is probably maybe one of the names to chat through is the dude's been playing really well in the playoffs so far. I mean, young guy, 22 years old, but he's been a key piece here. 23 points so far in this series tied with Joel Embiid as the leading scorer in the playoff in this playoff series. Um, yeah, the 76ers got to have some urgency because they're going to need to give this guy big money. Mm-hmm. I think if they're going to want to keep him. Oh yeah. I, I mean, Tyrese Maxey right now is out playing a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Contrast that to <laughs> on the Lakers, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's just not been showing up during playoff time. And to me, in my opinion, if you can't you can't perform during the playoffs, that's got to take a a double digit percentage chunk out of the value that you think you, you're worth. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's cool to see Maxey kind of blossom into this player, and it's it's funny because he never would have got this chance if the whole Ben Simmons fiasco never happened. And so mm-hmm. he just really yep. stepped into that role in the last two years. He's shown that he can be a star in this league. I, I mean, I put him kind of in that same realm as like a Desmond Bain, but yeah. a worse defender. So mm-hmm. he, he's young, so he still has a chance to improve on that end too. But yeah, it's really cool to see him kind of emerge as that third option. Kind of crazy that Tobias Harris has kind of let that happen. You know, because we've seen Tobias Harris able to be that guy in the past. And for some reason, on this Big Max contract of his, he's just the most passive guy these days. Mm. It's like just really weird to see. Uh, but, you know, for Maxi, it's great. I mean, he probably feels very comfortable as the third option behind a guy like Embiid and a guy like Harden. And he could just play off of them. And he'll never have to worry about a double team. He'll get open looks a lot. And yeah, it's just, it's all working for the Sixers. They look like the team advertised coming into the playoffs so they can finish this Saturday before lunchtime and then they can yeah. just watch the rest of the first round. I hope so because I'm looking at this roster and I'm already getting excited to do the 76ers Boston preview. I know. Yep. <laughs> because if talking about Tobias and Tyrese Maxey, it's like these two guys are so good, but they're not better than Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. And could they be the guys that are out there trying to chase them, them around yeah. and defending them. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the the problem is like you got the size with Tobias Harris, but he doesn't have the quickness. You got Tyrese Maxey's got the quickness, but does he have enough size uh, to guard the, the bigger wings on the boss from the Boston Celtics? Oh, this is going to be yeah. an interesting series. Oh, I mean, I'm we, so excited to watch yeah, it. We saw some great regular season matchups against these teams too. Like we already mm-hmm. saw that one where Embiid almost tied it on that half court heave. That would have sent it right. to OT, but it was just a little too late. Like we've already, we already know that this is going to be competitive, and both these mm-hmm. teams, one of these teams is going to go home so disappointed that they got ousted in the second round. They, they do not belong as a second round out. Yeah, another another quick shout is this: just how good this seventy six er team is looking right now. Their offensive rating is one twenty one for for the best offensive rating right so far in the playoffs. And they're shooting 90% from the free throw line and 41% from the three-point line. So I don't know if it has a lot to do with the Nets and <laughs> yeah. more so to do with the 76 is probably a, a combo of both. both yeah. But but I think this team is ready to to see the second round 
Um, moving on from that series, Nuggets going up 2-0 against the Wolves. It was a close one last night. The Nuggets looked like they were they had broken the spirit of the Timberwolves, but Anthony Edwards shoots 81% <laughs> in the third quarter to bring this team back. The Nuggets giving up that 21-point lead, but I think it was actually a blessing in disguise because what that ended up causing was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. You got to play off Jamal Murray back, going off for 40 points, something he hasn't Ooh. done since 2020 back in the bubble <laughs> when him and Donovan Mitchell had that legendary shootout <laughs> in those last three games during the, that playoff series. One of the top NBA moments and for me for me to watch um, – I'm surprised it doesn't come up more, more in in conversations. Perhaps maybe a few more years it'll become yeah, myth. They just they're not they're not that superstar, man. Yeah, people don't don't remember it as well as they would if it was LeBron or you know Kevin Durant or Steph. Yeah, exactly. But it was such a legendary moment. It but was. to see to see Jamal Murray do that six for ten from three, uh, his fifth career forty point playoff game. Like the Nuggets have to be super happy that oh, they yeah. they got to see this. Uh, and also hidden in the background, Michael Porter Jr. scoring 13 of his 16 points in the fourth quarter as well. Back in those 2020 Nuggets days, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't quite what the Michael Porter Jr. that we saw not a few years ago. So if they can align the stars where you get a strong Michael Porter Jr. and the bubble Jamal Murray back, and this, obviously you got Nikola Jokic, <laughs> we need to start re- rethinking where we're placing this Nuggets team in terms of shot their chances at winning the NBA finals. Like mm-hmm. that is a deadly one, two, three, and, you know, and ignoring the fact that they got KCP, Aaron, Aaron Gordon and other real great role players on their roster as well. Yeah. I mean, this, this is what you want. I mean, this is what we were talking about before this round really started was like, are the nugget, like the nuggets, they, they ended the regular season pretty cold. Are they going to come out mm-hmm. cold? Or are they going to come out swinging? They, they, they proved us all wrong where they came out swinging and that first game mm-hmm. was just a ridiculous blowout. And, and it's good to see that the wolves have some fight in them. Good to see ant really put up a good playoff game for him mm-hmm. in his young career to get a game like that in, in a playoff environment is awesome to see. And yeah, bubble Murray, man. Like if we can see bubble Murray, man, yeah, that changes everything. And I know you're on record saying that you would love to see a Nuggets Cavs finals just to see Mitchell versus Murray again. <laughs> you might be one yeah. of the only ones that's interested in that. But <laughs> for us hardcore NBA fans, we would understand the Mitchell versus Murray would be an epic showdown. Yeah, I and I, I, I'm willing to admit that that is probably something that the NBA may not love. The ratings may be low, but I'll be watching. I'd be watching every single one of oh, those 100%. games. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that would be amazing. It would be incredible. Yeah, that's a great yeah. storyline that, yeah, only a few people would remember. Mm-hmm, exactly. But, you know, Jamal Murray doing his thing. He's playing right now like the best player in this series at 32 points a game, five rebounds, six and a half assists, even uh, playing his double, his two-time MVP counterpart, Nikola Jokic, also doing doing his damage, uh, averaging a double-double, almost a triple-double with at seven and a half assists. But I did want to talk about Anthony Edwards um, because he had that incredible game two, but he also had a good game one. And overall, in this playoff series, he he's coming to life, and I like to see it because in that play-in game against the Lakers, it seemed like he totally folded, yeah. uh, just, just throwing out chuckers, and it seemed like the Lakers' defense just really got to him, and he wasn't able to really be both a defensive stopper 
on the defensive end and also the 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 offense the closing offensive weapon that the Timberwolves wanted. But in this Nuggets series, he he's he's hustling. He's doing his he's doing his damage. He's averaging twenty nine points a game in the playoff series, uh, four and a half assists. 50% shooting from three and 52% shooting overall from the field. So the Timberwolves are not down to 0-2 as a result of Anthony Edwards. It's just a high-powered Denver Nuggets team. And I think it just really sucks that the Timberwolves ended up getting stuck playing the Nuggets in the first round because I think we could have seen the Timberwolves push a few of these, a few more, a few few more games out of some of these other teams if they had met them in the first round. Yeah, and I think we're really seeing the Nuggets defense have a major impact on Carl Anthony Towns. That is the big one. I mean, through two games against the Nuggets, 10 and a half points (laughs) on 29% shooting for Cat. This is your superstar? This is your star (laughs) player, man? This is sad. This is really, really (laughs) sad. Four and a half turnovers a game. Oh, it's, it's ugly, man. It's real ugly. Ant's doing all he can out there. He is getting no help from Cat. He is getting stifled by Jokic, by Aaron Gordon. It's it's not looking good. I mean, maybe he'll turn it around at home. That's the only like that's the only thing we can point to is that they do get to go home now for these next two games. Mm-hmm. Can they avoid being swept? Can Cat get back to being Cat? The one we saw against the Lakers, who had a really good. He had a really good game against them in that playing game, even though he got into foul trouble and he didn't quite get there against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. But we know he he's in shape. He's in good basketball shape right now, and he can contribute, but he just hasn't shown it yet in this series. Yeah, and that's a that's a good shout-out on the, the struggles that Carl Anthony is having. I mean, talk about Rudy Gobert, you know, and all – whatever the overpaying and stuff but the dude's out there doing what he needs to what he has been doing in in utah he's a disruptive force at the rim 13 points 10 rebounds shooting 62 percent. he's catching and putting in shots close to the basket he's doing what he needs to do but the timberwolves missing ingredient is that second best scoring that number two punch and that should be cat he's just not there part of the problem is also he's just kind of struggles to get himself onto the into the free throw line like I don't know why you're not being aggressive enough only four free throw attempts so far in this series through two games contrast that to Anthony Edwards who's who's got 14 free throw attempts I mean that's just how it is also in the playoffs it's like defense is really crowned in so because the intensity ramps up you got to punish that intensity by being skillful out there and get you're getting yourself to the line getting yourself some easy points there um, and just not seeing that from Carl Anthony Towns, I think that's a missing evolution in his game. Yeah, and I think that's that's also a product of Gobert being the center now. Is that like perhaps? Yeah, yep. like Carl Anthony Towns is playing as a forward more than a center, <laughs> and so he's playing on the three point line. He's shooting more, and he's not driving as much. Yeah. So yeah, he's just not getting to the line because he doesn't he doesn't actually create any contact. And yeah, it's like as part of his game. I don't know if he's afraid of the contact or. It's just you know I I don't know what his his priorities are there, but yeah, it's it's not going to help him at all. Yeah, especially because he's such a great free throw shooter for being a big man, eighty three percent free throw shooting in his in his career, um, and throughout his career he averages around six free throws a game, so he can he he should be getting to the line. Mm-hmm. He just he's a big body. Yeah, get in there and try to come figure on, it out. big boy. Get get dirty <laughs> down there. <laughs> yeah. 
Other series, uh, unless you had anything else to say, Nuggets and Wolves. No, I, I, I do. I am excited to see Anthony Edwards just continue to see what he can do, you know, try to carry the team. Yeah. Do you see the Wolves pulling off another a win potentially? I don't. I don't think they'll get a win. Yeah, I don't either. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns plays better um, at home, but I still think even with a good game from Ad- Edwards and um, Carl, Ta- Carl Anthony Towns, I think the Nuggets have enough weapons yeah. to still counter that. And honestly, I feel like Jokic is holding back. Like mm-hmm. he's not playing like full MVP Jokic. It's almost like he's saving it for next round. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's feeling a little... I, th- I mean, Rudy Gobert's been playing aggressively against him, and I think it may be bothering him a little bit, or maybe he is in that mode of, yeah. like, I don't really want to play aggressive <laughs> against these guys. Right, They're just, yeah. like, little mosquitoes. Just make sure and, I, I get to the next round intact. <laughs> yeah, and with Jamal Murray shooting as well as yeah. he is, it's probably nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I still have the Nuggets sweep in the Wolves yeah, here. Yeah, me too. Yep. Next series, Celtics and Hawks. Uh, this ah. is... What 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 do you what do we want to say? You know, like it's it's happening exactly like everyone thought it would happen. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are playing well. Trey Young's kind of sucking. I, I don't know. Is there any storyline here that's like ex- interesting? <laughs> I don't think so. I think the only interesting point, and, and this is just going to be said every year, is that that's why the plan is so kind of awkward, but also cool. <laughs> But like the coolness kind of rubs off so fast because it's like you get you you can get like these upsets to happen um, or like these really close games. Yeah. And then a team, you know, battles through back to back games to get themselves in or goes through a really tough playing game to get themselves in. But then because they go up against a top seed, they just end up walking into uh, many times like this, like the, the Hawks. Yep. Just like a, a massacre. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're getting stomped. They never really had a shot against the Celtics. Uh, and they tried hard and they got themselves in the scene. But, yeah, there's no there's no answer. The, the Hawks have nobody to guard the, the talents of Jalen, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, DeJounte Murray maybe stands a bit of a chance. But, yeah, there's not much yeah. here. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like the Hawks wouldn't have had a chance against the Celtics or the Bucks. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just more there as a formality, you know. Maybe, maybe Trey Young ha- has a good game. It still wouldn't be enough, I don't think. Like they just have too much firepower. They have Robert Williams back. I guess that's a storyline. I didn't mm-hmm. like he he was out for a while, and now they have him yep. coming off the bench. I did see one sick play where he blocked one of the <laughs> shots and came down with the ball. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, other than that, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't had any reason to tune into this series. It's just not like it's just like get get Celtics and Sixers to the second round already. Playoffs have yeah. not started for them yet. It's target practice out there for the Celtics, <laughs> it is. and they're shooting and they're shooting it pretty well. Fifty one percent from the field, forty two percent as a team in this series from three. 82 from the free throw yeah. line. This is kind of crazy when a whole team <laughs> whole almost goes 50-40, 50-40-90. Yeah. yeah, that is That's ridiculous. unreal. Yeah, so efficient. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're just a well-oiled machine. Let's just get to the freaking second round with these two teams, man. <laughs> yeah, it, I doubt this Boston will shoot like that against the 76ers, but no. if both teams are just high-powered offense, that would be insane. Oh, it's, it's um, going to be I, the best series of the second round, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next one, Bucks and Heat tied one one. Well, I guess Celtics Hawks. Is, I'm gonna guess it's still a sweep. You're still standing oh, yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, no, it, there's no chance. 
<laughs> yep. Bucks Heat tied one one. This is a this has been an interesting series just because of this storyline. The Heat coming out. Uh, Giannis gets hurt towards the beginning of the game. The Heat cause an upset and win on the road against the Milwaukee Bucks. But then at the same time in that game, Tyler Harrow breaks his hand and yeah, is oof. now going to miss the whole series. This, I mean, this is a Heat team again that like has already struggled all year from an offensive perspective outside of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Harrell. So you lose a key weapon there. Yeah. Um, and you get the result that you got in game two where they, they got blown out from the Milwaukee Bucks despite not having uh, their leading offensive star in, in Giannis. But they just have a hard time generating shots. And Tyler Harrell was such a big part in the little bit that they could get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, series tied 1-1. The storyline is when is Giannis coming back and he come back soon enough do the bucks strategically push this series to six <laughs> games to give Giannis more rest um or do you just get it over with and and just wait for the the Cavs um Cavs next series to potentially go six or seven games and get yourself some rest that way yeah, I think if you're the bucks you just try to win out I I think game two proved that they don't need Giannis to beat this team Mm-hmm. but you also just don't mess with stuff like that in the playoffs, right? Like, if you have a t- chance to to kill the team, you kill the team. Um, yeah, man, I agree. Yeah, and, yeah, Lopez and Holiday came out big in game two. Freaking Pat Connaughton and Joe Ingles were <laughs> lights out from three. Like, that, yep. yeah, they just couldn't miss. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see what extent. We'll, we'll know for sure if Giannis' injury is very serious if he misses another game. But yeah, I mean, hats off to the Heat for taking taking one on the Bucks. I I predicted a sweep there. Uh, obviously, Giannis getting hurt early in that game does change things a lot. But the Heat were winning yep. that game by like ten points when Giannis went out anyway. So you know, you could argue that they they could have still won that game even if Giannis played the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, like we were talking about before, the Heat mm-hmm. are a better team than the Hawks. The Hawks just happened to you know get the better of them in that playing game. And they still have traces of that 2020 bubble team, you know? So they were able to pull it off for that one game. I don't think anyone's concerned about the Bucks dropping another game to them, though, after that Game 2 performance. Yeah, I think they're going to close it out. But like I said, the Heat team are the Heat team that we've seen <laughs> over the course of 82 games. They struggle to score the ball. They're a little inconsistent on defense at times. But when they turn it on, they can turn it on. Like they can hustle. They got the they got Bam Adebayo inside. They got Jimmy Butler on the wings. They just cannot find consistency from any other guy on, on the court. So it, it's it's tough to beat a a, a high powered machine like the Bucks, which is interesting to call them that because one of the big engines in that game too, like you mentioned, is Joe Ingles. Yeah, the dude is shooting eight for thirteen over Dang. this series so far, sixty one percent from three. Uh, Grayson Allen six for twelve. Um, you just got oh, these Pat, guys Pat like that Cunnington. are shoot Pat Cunnington. Yeah, Pat Cunnington six for ten in this series from three. That's that's just that's just unreal. Right. And then you get Chris Middle. You have Chris Middleton still there. We don't really talk about him that often. I feel this year, but he's slowly rat his wrapping his engines back up as well. Twenty four points a game, fifty percent from the field. He's just doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. They just they have a lot of good weapons, even with Giannis out. And the mm-hmm. the downside too of Tyler Harrow being out is that the Heat now feel forced to play Duncan Robinson, and mm. that is just a net negative. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. 
Well, he's he's made his appearances. Hey, Five yeah. for seven from three, though. Yeah, he gives it all back cannot... on the defensive end. <laughs> Yeah, five for seven. Yeah, it's probably a big reason why Joe Ingles, Grayson <laughs> right? Allen, yeah. Pat Clinton are shooting this, shooting like yeah, that. He gives it all back, man. He's a one-trick pony. You know, if three-point shooting were the only facet of the NBA game, he'd be earning that contract. But that man, he is just—he is making way too much money for knowing one yeah. one NBA skill. Yeah. So, do you have Miami winning another game, or are you calling this I really, a five-game gentleman sweep? I think this is gonna be a gentleman sweep. I I don't think that, especially with Tyler Harrow being out, like that was just the added punch that they need. That was like an X factor for them. They don't have that anymore, and I think the Bucks handle it pretty easily from here on out. Yeah, I I agree as well. Um, Moving on and really jumping into the the the, gr- the grittiness ones. of the good ones, <laughs> Kings up two one against the Warriors. Despite all the odds makers and everybody not believing in this young Kings team, I thought they could win Game One. And man, what what a game! It was the whole the whole point of experience. I feel like is overrated, but I was definitely taking that back within the first five minutes of that game. Talk about jitters. The Sacramento <laughs> Kings looked like a child getting getting asked to present to his class for the first time ever in his life. Just real jitters. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden forgets how to do the basic things. And that's exactly what the Kings looked like. The Warriors looked like they were going to really dominate that series in those first few minutes. But the King, De'Aaron Fox sort of woke up and... Malik Monk was just such a force off the bench as well. And then you had heroic performances from Trey Lyles and Alex Lynn. Alex the Lynn, bigger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just holding it down in those minutes and save themselves. And the, the punch of Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox getting themselves that first win. And then that second game, this Kings team looked a lot better. But for them to go up 2-0, I think, was a huge surprise for everybody. But I, I'm happy to see that. The Kings were able to do it in two different looking ways. I mean, the core of it was still Malik Monk and Darren Fox, but game one, Sabonis was taken out of this game, taken out of that game. Kevin Herter struggled as well, but game two, Kevin Herter came to life. Sabonis found his spots a little better. Uh, so I think that's a good sign for the Kings, despite them dropping a big one to the Warriors today. Yeah, and I think so far it's, it's kind of been as expected because. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are terrible away and great at home, and that's been the story the entire year. And mm-hmm. but the, the 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 difference is the Kings games have been close. Yep. This game, game three, was not close, and they didn't even have Draymond Green tonight because, as we've all seen, the the stomping incident, just ridiculous retaliation. He gets suspended for this game, gets ejected from game two when they could have won. They were only down four points at mm-hmm. the time and there was a lot of time left in that game there was even a point later in the game where it was tied up and you're like oh man if Draymond Green was available you know who knows what could have happened um so yeah I mean they're able to get this one for game three they needed it because no team has ever mm-hmm. come back from 3-0 and apparently yeah. Draymond was able to do some sort of ninjutsu chakra move to give <laughs> Kevon Looney all of his skills because 20 boards tonight 20 right? boards nine assists <laughs> and the and like a classic draymond type of line with four points at the end of that for on two yeah, of six shooting it, it's like what the heck did kevon looney just gain all of draymond's abilities 
Yeah. What the heck was that? Like, it was Draymond Green out there in a Kevin Looney jersey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just jersey swapped, put on a mask or something, and there you go. Yep. Yeah. Plus, or a twenty-one plus uh, for Kevin Looney, the the second highest. On, yeah, on the, only second on the to roster. Steph Curry. Man, it's just like where where has this been all year? I wasn't. I didn't know he was capable of getting nine assists. Yeah, and you wouldn't have realized that if you just looked at the points. Four points, Curry plus plus twenty four <laughs> with thirty six points, right. and then Andrew Andrew Wiggins with twenty points, yeah, but only a plus one. seventeen. Kevin Looney was just the impactful guy, but. You know, to that point, like, yeah, the the this game just showed like the Warriors are just so much better at home, and it's so like much. it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, Eleven turnovers only in this game, which was also a huge piece, but a big point of like why they lost against the 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 Kings. Um, the Warriors are averaging fifteen turnovers per one hundred possessions versus the Kings only averaging eleven. And then the other storyline is the free throws at home. The Kings shot 61 free throws. The Warriors only 46. Just having a hard time getting those calls. And part of it is just the rate of turnovers and them just not being able to get get to the rim. And at home, the threes are going down. The spacing is better for the Warriors. They're protecting the ball so much better. So they're just able to just be more nimble on offense and just attack, uh, attack and get those calls at home. So it, it, it's a tough one. And the Kings knew this was going to be tough, I'm sure, and I think they're going to come back stronger in Game Five. But this is really like the big test. You know, you're studying for the test, and you know there's that big question that's going to come up, and you want to be ready for it. And that big question came up, and the Kings totally got it wrong. But the good news is you're not going to be you're not judged off just one game. It's a playoff series, so the Kings have a shot at responding, but it's not going to be easy. And uh, with it going 2-1 so far, I'm still not changing my prediction. Um, <laughs> I seven. still think the Warriors are incredible at home. Knew that going into this series. But I still think like their road woes are still going to catch up to them. And I think the Kings can still win this in seven. And I think the Kings can come out a little uh, a bit harder in game four. Get themselves some momentum to, to win game five back at home. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Kings have any shot at winning game four for sure. After mm-hmm. what I saw tonight, like, yeah, there's just in that in that arena, there's no way this Kings team has a chance to beat them if it's even close going into the fourth quarter. So I think it'll be 2-2. And then after what I saw in game two, you know, as long as Draymond doesn't do anything stupid, <laughs> I, I don't know. Does that not give you caution seeing what happened in game two, how close it was? It does it does give me caution for sure. But I also always thought that this series was going to be that going to be this close i figured there'd be one blowout but i think even down the line i mean to, if you want to if you want a bullet point on my answer as to why i still think the kings will <laughs> win it close at home clutch player of the year ah, okay clutch yeah. <laughs> player of the year darren fox has Fair shown enough. up man he he knocks it down he's such a triple threat he's got yeah. every, he's got quite and so far uh, I guess maybe Steph Curry has caught up to the numbers now at this point, but so far, De'Aaron Fox has been the best player in the series. Thirty-one points a game, at least. Yeah, yeah, forty-six point percent field goal uh, from the field, seven assists. Um, protects he's protecting the ball better than Curry. Like as long as Fox can can maintain that, even if he's not far and above Steph Curry, but just marginally better than Curry. Yeah. That's that's what it's going to take to win because if the Kings are going to win, it's going to be by a marginal yeah, it's amount. Gonna be it's close. going to be, 
Yeah, it's literally going to be like four plays that you look at throughout the whole series where you're like, that was one of the reasons we walked away with the W. <laughs> and this, and one of them might very well be that Draymond Green yeah, foolishness that be, he did yeah. in game two. Like if the Warriors were able to win that game two, this is a whole different series. Where now you're looking mm-hmm. at likely the Kings going down 3-1. And it's like, oh, well, now, now it just seems like it's a done deal. But... Yeah, it it's gonna be a good series, and it's probably the one I most look forward to when I see it on the schedule. I'm like, oh, like, I, I mean, I'm a Clippers fan, and I still watch the Kings Warriors game tonight over that until the fourth yeah. when it got like out of hand. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 a, definitely the most exciting series. Yeah, exactly. So right now, I, I'm I'm not that worried if I'm the Kings. I think really more you just got to look at it tactically. Like, how are you still going to? Because I mean, Sabonis didn't have too bad of a game but then the dream the whole Draymond green kevin looney thing on him is like you you if you're mike brown you still got to figure out that puzzle on how to get sabonis uh a bit better more successful because you know just in case the warriors or De'Aaron fox or malik monk just have a bad day from shooting i mean malik monk had one of those today yeah. one for nine mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Lyles, like none of the bench guys had the shooting night that you that you've been getting at home. Right. So Sabonis has to be that guy, and, and the odds of it happening at home are maybe a little not as bad, but they can happen over the course of a series. So Mike Brown has got to figure out the Sabonis piece of the puzzle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that, um, and then you just got to figure out to come out strong in Game Four. You're probably gonna, yeah. Again, I also think they're gonna lose that game, <laughs> but if you can, if you can. St- Keep it within five points. Like I think that's still a moral victory, and then just just try to seal the deal in game five. Yeah, yeah, it's it kind of crazy to to look at it that way. And the Kings obviously won't be looking at it that way. But I mean, mm-hmm. I just think, yeah, just look, just looking at how the game went tonight. I was like, yeah, it just never seemed like the Warriors were out of control. Like they were, they no. were in control the whole time. Yep. Not at all. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, they got to a point where the Kings emptied out the bench, except yeah. for Rashawn Holmes. We didn't man. see a Rashawn Holmes appearance. Yeah, man, but... <laughs> poor Rashawn Holmes. He used to be pretty good on this team. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that the other day where I was like, wow, Mike Brown opted to play Alex Lynn in that Alex game Lynn, one. yeah. Playing some crucial big minutes. Unreal. He wasn't there in game two, but in game yeah. one, he was big. I thought that was a pretty gutsy move to go with Alex Lynn and not Rashawn Holmes, who's younger. Yeah, it's caused more impact more in the athletic. league in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting choice. Maybe, maybe he'll try it in Game Four. You know, you might as well. You got, you got to pull out all the stops at this point. Yeah. Yep. So you still have Warriors in six. I still have Warriors in six. I think they'll get Game Five okay. on the, against the Kings. I got Kings still in seven. Uh, Suns and Clippers. I'm definitely switching this one up. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I'll and I'll let you do that because it's just not fair. <laughs> Yeah, I did not see. You never want to make these calls because of injuries, unless it's like a blatant, a blatantly big one. Yeah, uh, like a likelihood someone coming back from injury, etc. But Kawhi Leonard just going out with the knee strain, and yeah. we were talking about this earlier. Where when when the Clippers say that about Kawhi Leonard, just a very vague, ambiguous <laughs> way of saying knee strain, I automatically default that this is. This is probably a bad injury, and yeah. we're probably not going to see Kawhi anymore. Um, yeah, and it's crazy because we didn't hear anything about it during Game 2, mm-hmm. and we only hear about it now. They're like, oh, yeah, he sustained it in Game 1, and he played through it in Game 2, and he played 40-plus minutes in both those games. And you're like, 
how is this the first time we're hearing about this? I mean, we <laughs> we get a probable injury report for LeBron James if his if his arm is sore. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like if he got a bad night's sleep, LeBron's on the injury report is probable. But with Kawhi, like he has this knee contusion and we don't hear anything <laughs> about it before game two. And only hours before game three, we get this news. It's just like, how how does this even work? How do these injury reports even work? And it's just like, uh, so deflating, man. Because, yeah. I mean, before this series, I call like, yeah, I think the Suns are going to win. It's going to be pretty easy without Paul George there for us. And then they win game one. We win yeah. game one. <laughs> Russell Westbrook has these crazy defensive heroics at the end, getting that block on Booker, hitting it off of him, so it goes out of bounds, and you're like, holy crap, like, <laughs> we actually got game yep. one in Phoenix, and you're like, okay, sure, like, the Suns won game two, that's fair, and we're going back to our home, maybe we still have a chance, no, of course we don't have a chance, put the nail in the mm-hmm. coffin, Kawhi Leonard, just another one in the yeah. books, no Kawhi, yeah. no Paul George, like, what the heck, man. What the heck? Yeah, and then tonight you basically get a Hercules effort from Russell Westbrook, Norman yeah, Powell. Norman Powell like Westbrook going 11 for 23, 30 points, 30 and 12. Norman Powell, 42 points. And you still, and you lose. Because they're I mean, the only it's a two close guys. One. They're the only two guys. Yeah, but I, I guess I'm just saying that even you just got your best case. I yeah. mean, you got Bones Highland 20 points off the bench yeah, too. Best no, case true. here. And you still lose, like, no. yeah, there's no well, shot no one, here. No one to stop Devin Booker on the other side. No one to stop Kevin Durant on the other side. You know, like, mm-hmm. Kawhi would have been there to, to help on Kevin Durant. That maybe could have turned the tide. And, you, and another person to score over 10 points, you know? Like, we only had three of those. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great effort. But, it, yeah, it's just like, it sucks when you know it's just all for nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Russell Westbrook is just incredible. Three for seven also from three. Like, I just have not seen a stat line like this from him in a while. No, he came and to so... play this series, man. He really did. You got to mm-hmm. hand it to him. I mean, obviously, that game one, the shooting was not there. Three of 19 yep. from the field. The only reason you could claim he had a good game is because of the defense he played. And he did play really yeah. good defense the entire game and had had the heroics. But, yeah, it's just it's too bad. It's too bad it's not a fair fight. <laughs> yeah. I think that's sort of the stinker about being an NBA fan is there's always these sequences, these moments that are just so incredible, but you just forget about them because it never resulted in a series yeah. win or, or winning that game. And that defensive sequence Westbrook had on <laughs> Devin Booker. Yeah. I feel like it must, it might be the best defensive sequence I've ever seen from Westbrook. Oh, yeah, totally. It was amazing. To, yeah. To follow through, get that block and all in and within the same motion drop you know, swing that ball back at Booker so that yeah. you get the possession back and that essentially winning the game for you, helping yep. win that game. Like that would be a moment if the Clippers ended up upsetting the Suns here. Yeah, and that's the, the thing you we, just remember yeah. if Kawhi was healthy, we'd have a good series. It would be a good series. I I agree that Kawhi was the reason why I thought this, this series wasn't going to go as easy as people thought it would. Like, I didn't think the Suns were really going to walk, just walk over the Clippers. They're going to fight back. Oh, God. And big reason, Kawhi, 34 points a game, 54% shooting, 60% from from the three-point line, 40 minutes a game. He was playing so well. He was playing championship-level Kawhi basketball. Mm -hmm. It was so cool to see. Yeah. And that's the last one. I mean, yeah, best player we were talking whether like you know 
Kawhi had a chance to be the best player in this series. And through those first two games, he really, he was. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it is it is what it is. So I got this one in five games. I don't think yep. the Clippers win another one. Yep, yep. Uh, th- even if this one was, cl- the game tonight was close, I can't see Norman Powell, Bones, Highland going for four, <laughs> going for 60 points. Yeah, it was the best effort they could put out there. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's no, you could not, yeah, Norman Powell had a game of his freaking life. <laughs> yeah exactly uh other series lakers grizzlies tied 1-1 this is such a weird series because it almost feels at times when i'm watching this game like i'm watching a regular season game <laughs> just because of like, all the mistakes and just yeah bad play the mistakes the lackluster effort from the lakers that game too was <laughs> oh, absolutely man. embarrassing uh no jaw moran in game two and Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman, Xavier just Tillman. having, Ugh. just killing it. Xavier Tillman going for a career high: twenty-two points, thirteen rebounds, ten for thirteen from the field. Most of the, the first Grizzlies, half too. <laughs> yes, the Grizzlies scoring fifty points in the paint in Game Two, and the reason I call that out is because that is the bread and butter for the Lakers: is their paint, their defense in the paint, their ability to hold the other team's big men and protect the paint with Anthony Davis there or LeBron or any of the other guys they they got they got they bring off the bench like to be be that way like come on like yeah you got you you you're talking about going to the second round making a run like you got to be elite in something and the shows that the Lakers may just be all talk at certain times it felt like that in game 2 yeah yeah it was a rough game too and hey hats off to Memphis for taking it but i mean the the main storyline here is going to be is John Morant gonna be able to play in this series Mm -hmm. again i mean we saw the fall it seems like he avoided a serious injury to his hand as far as like a break or a fracture so we don't know what his injury exactly means for his game three availability i'm not sure uh what do you what do you think alan do you think he comes back this series i don't know it's it's tough to say that interview he had post game one was pretty sad to watch. He looked defeated, he looked defeated. in spirit, and he looked at you know obviously the spirit defeated because of what how he felt physically. So, I mean, if he does, I mean, until we learn more, it's hard to say. But based off that interview, based off him not playing game two, I think at best maybe he plays a game six, a game, or maybe a miraculously a game five. But mm. I don't think we see him suit up in L.A. I think yeah. he misses game three and game four. Um, so at that point, I think the pressure swings to LA to try to figure out how to protect home core and win those two games and go up three, one. Um, but Jaron Jackson jr. And the rest of the gang are, are doing a hell of a good job holding down the four. And we knew that we'd seen segments of this team run through long stretches without John Moran and still get wins. So it it, it should be a wake up call for LA if they want to upset this game. But if you're the Grizzlies, you got to feel pretty good to, to have taken that game. And seeing some of your see see a young guy like Xavier Tillman have a big game, mm-hmm. and I think you got to feel like your back isn't against the wall despite the volume of L.A. fans rooting against you. Like you feel like you can take down this L.A. team, and hopefully you can get John and see the Kings of the Warriors in the second round. Yeah, I recall you had a some a choice reaction to hearing about John Morant's injury, and it pertains to his just his ability as an NBA player. Do you, 
I kind of want to talk about that a little bit too, because I think it is an interesting discussion is like, is John Morant too one dimensional in his game that it makes him susceptible to injury more often than he should? Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's yeah, you're right. I did have that reaction and just watching job play that, that, that play just sort of um, was personifies what we love about job, but it also personifies like sort of, what can go wrong in a young NBA guard's career is that you sort of ride that wave of elite athleticism yeah, and you sort of just take, try to ride that wave into success from a season perspective and like the playoffs, but there's just so many games and the players are so good. And there's so many variables that it's so tough to just ride that wave of athleticism and contrast that to watching the way deer and Fox is attacking the warriors is yeah, he's using his athleticism, but he's using his options. He's getting in. He's he's dribbling around, folks, getting into the paint, and he's not forcing himself all the way to the hoop every single time. He's using that floater. He's popping up from the mid range, or he's swinging that back out to to a teammate, or finding Sabonis inside. Sabonis hasn't been able to finish, but you know, but that's besides the point. And when you switch that over to Jaw, like Jaw is so quick and he's so good at getting to the rim, but. That doesn't mean he he. I just don't think he can do that all the time. Like just go in tunnel vision, and really looking for that highlight, that dunk, or the layup at the rim. Yeah. It's impressive that he can do that, but to do that time and time again, it's just going to beat his body up, and it's just going to really put him in a spot for these injuries. Because I mean, players read the scouting report, and if they know you're going to go tunnel vision at the rim, <laughs> yeah, it's so easy it's to so just easy, slide yeah. in and try to mm-hmm. and try to find that charge. Right. And that's exactly what Anthony Davis did. He's a savvy defender. He saw that in Jaw. He slid in and tried to take that charge. You know, unfortunately resulted in injury. But these are that's just what happens when you got a hundred mile per hour <laughs> bullet and you know you clash with another seven footer. So yeah. I do think that there is something that Jaw should evaluate going into the summer. And if this team wants to take the next because they're a third seed, but I don't think any of us really took this team serious to winning a championship. Right, and I think the evolution of Jaw would would very much help that if he can evolve his game, give himself options, give himself a bit more more offensive weapons that he can hide in his back pocket when he gets to the rim. Yeah, I, and I I think it's just it's just a very interesting point to make, and I think it's one that doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, because we've mm-hmm. seen this isn't the first you know major injury John Moran's gotten because of his aggressive play style I mean this has happened multiple times over the last few years for extended periods of time and I mean we saw it especially last season when when Memphis missed him for like almost half the season I mean granted they played super well without him there because Tyus Jones is a baller and they were able to play good team basketball so it kind of masked him being gone but he was gone a lot, and he just he continues to get injured very early in his career. Relies a lot on that athleticism, but we've seen his ability to play make. I mean, the guy can dish assists like like anyone else in the league. You know, he can be as good yep. as Aaron Fox as a playmaker. He can be as good as a lot of the top point guards in the NBA. But like you said, that tunnel vision it seems like he gets that more often than a lot of players too that drive into the basket like that, and it is concerning. You know, like. He's been able to rely on his youth to get him through a lot of that. But, I mean, every year, you know, it just gets harder and harder. And then, you yeah. know, once you can't rely on that athleticism and you haven't developed your your playmaking or you're, you're looking into other options on the floor, 
at that point, then you, you kind of number your le- your your years in the league. Yeah, and and then let's also not forget that last year, Memphis was right there with the Warriors in that series. They like, were, yeah, it, it was, it was it, you know, yep. The Warriors ended up winning that four two, and maybe they would have ended up winning it anyways. But uh, Memphis could have put up a bigger fight and maybe pushed pushed it out to seven games, or perhaps gotten gotten the win. Like game one, the Warriors won by one point. Mem- mm-hmm. Memphis takes game two. Uh, game three's game three's a big blowout, but. You know, John Morant goes down and it completely shifts the dynamics yeah. of this series. And it all of a sudden it has the Grizzlies up against the wall. But if John, John Morant needs to just like figure out how he can evolve his game, how he can protect his health a little bit better. So he is a small guy out there. Despite that size, he's, he can still score, but he is taking hits. So I hope he can figure something out, keep himself a little bit healthy to, to help Memphis really just be a more consistent force. Uh, in their playoff runs. Yeah. And for the Lakers, man, someone's got to tell AD it's the playoffs. You know, <laughs> like you can't just take these games off, man. Like mm-hmm. how how can you, as Anthony Davis, in game one, get what? Three steals and seven freaking blocks and look absolutely unstoppable. And then you come out in game two and just act like you don't even care what the result is. Yeah, Four, 14 the, shooting. Is that what he did? I don't rem- I think so. It was it was just it was a bad game too. Um and the one point that I was thinking about on Anthony Davis and I think Laker fans have really been celebrating the rise of Rui Hashimura in this series. <laughs> 24 yeah. points per game. Huge. Had a gr- had is just 7 for 10 so far in this series from 3 18 for 26, but I mean, his shot attempts are almost to Anthony Davis's in this series at 31. Yep. Not, I'm not, not a knock on Rui Hachimura, but more so a knock on Darvin Ham. Like, I like that Rui is having these games, but I'm not really sure I agree that Rui should be having that many attempts and the Lakers should be looking for, at, for him this many times. Perhaps as a result of Memphis just really guarding Davis really well that the Lakers are having a hard time finding him, but. You got to figure out how to get Anthony Davis to take a larger chunk of those shot attempts yeah. and make them like this is Rui Hachimura is playing good these last two games, but that's not going to win this series for the Lakers. No, um, yeah. I like what Austin Reeves is doing, mm-hmm. but that's not Austin Reeves going for 20 and being your leading scorer is not going <laughs> to win you this series. And that game one was sick, though. <laughs> yes, that it was incredible. Austin Reeves, man. <laughs> but but that's the type of stuff that happens in the regular season where, like, yeah. you're just playing games. Guys are tired, so you need a dude. You need that fourth guy, that third guy to have big games and yeah. just get you that win, and then, you know, you move on. But in the playoffs, where's Davis and where's Braun? Like, where where is the consistency here? Where is them getting themselves into rhythm mm-hmm. and just taking these games serious and just and you know sealing the deal here? Like I I would take I'll take a B a B plus game from Rui Hashimura if it means I get A plus Anthony Davis out there. Oh for sure, uh, yeah. And even yeah. if Anthony Davis is getting double teamed or defended well, it's like come on, take a page out of Embiid's book, man. Embiid was getting aggressively double teamed by the Nets in Game mm-hmm. One. He brushed it off, man. He he'd pass it out to the right guy. He'd he'd just make a quick move right when he got the ball, very decisive, so they couldn't get there in time to double team him. Like Anthony Davis gotta take a page out of Embiid's book because he can do all those things too. Yeah, exactly. Like 
going into the locker room and celebrating because your third, fourth, fifth best guy had great games, but you lost the game. That's that's what the Charlotte Hornets do. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the Atlanta Hawks do. Yes, and they're all sitting at home right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what teams that are looking for the silver lining in 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 their bad season and their bad uh, on their bad you know situation. Like the Lakers should not should be looking to how can they win this win these games. And I'm just not seeing the the eff- I'm not seeing the effort there. Um, like I said earlier, like out of all these series. I mean, maybe the Hawks sell text, but at least yeah. the Hawks look like they're fighting. But out of all of them, this one has felt more like a regular season set of games. It has, yeah. Uh, That's I didn't have any other about one. that before uh, you, you mentioned it. But yeah, it totally does feel like the, the regular season matchup. <laughs> yeah, like there seems to be no urgency. There's no toughness. There's, you know, there's no grittiness. Um, yeah, I wish, I hope the Lakers watched that Minnesota Denver game last night and, and, that's how you, if you're going to go down, go down that way. Yeah, exactly. And then, man, what makes me really root for the Lakers in this series is, is the fact that Dylan Brooks exists. Like I, <laughs> I cannot handle this guy. Like I know he's just trying to like, you know, be the, the bulldog, right? Like the Pat Bev of the mm-hmm. team and, you know, rile up the other team. But you know, this, this quote from him after, after game two, like, just like I poke bears. I don't respect no one if they don't come and give me 40. <laughs> and it's like, dude, LeBron is not scared of you at all. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you have not stopped LeBron either. Like LeBron is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. LeBron has averaged like 20 something points a game on like very efficient shooting while being guarded by Dylan Brooks. And it's like, dude, you're not like, what, what kind of stupid quote is that too? You don't respect someone unless they score 40 points on you. 40 points. <laughs> You're just that like if, if anyone scores forty points on you're just the worst defender. You know, like dude, yep. yeah, come on, like <laughs> that's such a stupid number. Forty is so many points. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really think much of Dylan Brooks. I think he is kind of annoying, but he's I extremely mean... annoying. It's just like <laughs> man, it's like it's like a JV runner thinking that they're varsity. Yeah, it's just interesting the 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 conundrum that is Dylan Brooks. I mean. Thirty-seven percent shooting from the field in this series, so twenty-six percent from three-point line. Yep, thirteen points. But Memphis loves to play him. I mean, he's still out there, uh, averaging twenty-five minutes a game. But I don't know. I I don't care much about Dylan Brooks. I'm. I think. I think it's really a story of like the Lakers just not playing with much effort out there right now and heart yeah and they're not they're not winning these games because of dylan brooks they're winning them because of tyus jones they're winning them because of xavier tillman they're winning because of of jaron jackson like dylan brooks is just there like (laughs) yeah exactly yeah oh gosh he's so annoying just get him out yeah and uh one last point here is like the going into the series we we were like anthony davis versus jaron jackson jr like Anthony Davis is going to put Jaron Jackson Jr. in his place. Like Anthony Davis is averaging 17 points, 10 boards in this in this series so far, shooting 45 percent from yeah. the field. Not great. Jaron Jackson Jr. 24 points, seven boards, 54 percent from the field, and ooh, a whopping 40, almost 43 from the three point line. Like, yeah, yeah, dude is dude is easily playing like the best big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, he is playing he is. like the best big man he in is this the series. Best big man in this series right now. AD's got a got to take the mantle back yeah there's lakers cannot win this series with that being the case they need davis to be the best big man best player in this series mm-hmm. and 
I mean, Braun can do what he does, um, but you need Davis to be the number one player for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Should still be a very interesting series, though. It's still going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I got this this game coming up on the weekend, so we're going to definitely be tuning in for that one, I'm sure. Yeah, so anything changes for you? I think I said it's Lakers in six. <laughs> um, no, I think yeah, I I think everything's the same except I guess you know unfortunately my Bucks sweep pick didn't work out very well. But no, the rest of them I'm I'm still pretty locked in on. Oh, uh, I guess one we forgot to mention was Cavs and Knicks. Um, oh. Not a lot going on there. It's tied one one. I still think it'll go seven games. Um, but yeah, Knicks Knicks get game one against the Cavs, but then. The Cavs come and blow them out in game two. So it's probably going to be back and forth like that the whole series. Yep. I got Lakers still in six games. And I, I think I, I still got the Cavs in six games in that series. Mm-hmm. As I, well. I, I think, think it'll be Cavs in seven. But uh, yeah, I think it, it'll be back and forth. But like not really any storylines there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Darius Garland had a big game too. Um, haven't seen playoff Mitchell really arise yet. So I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, that's not, yeah. If we can see that, then we get your potential dream scenario of playoff Mitchell versus playoff Murray. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. It probably won't happen this year. That would be pretty awesome. But, <laughs> but yeah, we haven't seen a big uh, game. I mean, the other thing note here is the, the double, the twin towers bouncing back after a very poor game one, they bounced back in that mm-hmm. game too. So I'm sure that's, that's good to hear. Um, yeah. I, I mean, 107, 90 in this game two score, like, I feel like that's more of a reflection of how I think the Cats do have the better teams. I feel like they should yeah. they should be dominating at times. Uh, yeah. But you know the Knicks can get hot, and they're going back to they're going back to New York. So I think the Knicks can win a, win another game there. But mm-hmm. then after that, I think the Cavaliers will close this out in six. Yeah, well, she'll see. I I think it could be one of those series where they just go back and forth every game. Hmm. Yep. Well, final thoughts to close it out, son. Uh, to close out this, uh, close out the podcast, Sean. You had uh, the Suns winning the whole title. Uh-huh. Have your has your pick changed at all? Nope, nope, not yet. I have no reason to believe they won't just easily handle the Clippers the rest of the way. And then you know, it's it's still you know obviously a lot of wings to go, but yeah, they they look good. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker look really locked in. Aiton. You know, going to be a question mark the entire the entire journey, but you know he's going to have his good games and his bad games. And, and Chris Paul actually looks like a, you know, a little better, so yeah, I'm mm-hmm. still confident in the pick. Okay, I still got the Bucks, uh, even with the Giannis it. tailbone injury. Yep, I'm still sticking by it. I think he's going to come back. I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I hope you're right. I see him coming back in a game four. Uh, looking at the table from 538. Our and I always like looking at their tables right now. They got this. It's a dynamic update. So if you go on there, it changes every second. But a few percentage points usually. But Celtics right now at a 27% chance of winning the finals. Wow. My Bucks pick at 13. Sean, your son's pick at 5%. I like those odds. Give me those odds <laughs> in a betting match any day. Dude, Celtics 27. That is super high. I might it not even high. take them against the Sixers next round. Yep, and uh, guess who's right tied with the Suns at 5% to win the title? I'm going to guess the Lakers. Yes, yeah. the, <laughs> the Lakers at 5% uh, to, to win the, the man, finals I thought 530, here. Man, I, I, not even 538 uh, can deny the Lakers' bias. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you got to look at the staff. What's going on with these guys? Who's 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 uh, messing with the numbers here? Man? I know <laughs> the algorithm, man. <laughs> it even favors the Lakers. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll keep breaking down the podcast, uh, the NBA playoffs, week in and week out. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>